lesson today comes from Paul's letter to the early church in Corinth. Um, it is 1 Corinthians chapter 10. Let's share in God's good word together. All things are lawful, but not all things are beneficial. All things are lawful, but not all things build up. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. How do you use your phone? Well, for some of you, you're going to pull it out right now, and you're going to get on your app, and you're going to follow the sermon notes, and if you guess wrong, it'll fill in for you. It's a great little device to help you follow along, and uh, that, that works. Uh, so others of you are more print people. We have sermon notes for you there. Uh, we, we just want to say, wherever you find yourself on the tech spectrum, you're welcome here. There are folks that are super techie, uh, folks that struggle with passwords, <clears throat> myself included. I, I can't remember passwords to save my life. Um, but, so there's, there's a wide range. And one of the things is we, we interviewed last Wednesday night uh, many of our high schoolers and a number of our uh, mid-high students. Uh, this week I'm going to use some clips from our mid-high students. In the weeks to come I'll, I'll use clips from our high school students. And because they really have a lot to teach us. And you think about this, that we're, really we have the opportunity to be reverse mentored by digital natives. People who every single day of their life, they've had to learn how to manage technology in ways that are quite foreign to me and people older uh, than myself. I'm doing my best to catch up, um, but we've got a lot to learn, a lot to learn. And so I hope, uh, one, first of all, let, for all the young people in the room, uh, just to kind of let you off the hook, nobody's here uh, to bash children about how to use a technology that no one knows how to use. I mean, let's just be fair about this. Uh, and what I found in our research over the last few months as we knew we were coming into this series is that, quite frankly, many of our children are much better about this than the adults. By a good bit. Uh, they've learned how, how to do this. So let, let's hop into this. We're in our second week of the series, What the Tech? Uh, it is the promise and perils of our digital age. And, and I would say um, the sermon series today is, is called Alone Together. Have you ever been in a room, you've been at a party, uh, and never felt more alone? Surrounded by people. But you could not connect to save your life. I don't know if there's anything more lonely than feeling alone in the middle of a crowd. And you know, the beautiful thing about our faith is when we practice solitude, that very basic discipline of our faith, when you're alone, you find out that you're never alone. So you can be alone and fully present with God and your community of faith, or you can be fully around in a crowd and be completely alone. And a lot of that has to do with your connection to God. And how do you do that? Because one of the, the big things we find out about tech is it's not just uh, how to avoid all the traps that are online. And there are plenty. We'll get to that here in a week or two. But can you just actually ever hear God in the chaos? Do you ever have enough time just to be in God's presence or with your community? In 1993, there was a very scary movie that came out. I'm not recommending it to you, but this is one of my favorite lines of any movie of all time. Many of you already know this. It's from Jurassic Park. Dun, dun, dun. Jeff Goldblum, as a scientist, says, your scientists were so preoccupied with whether or not they could, they didn't stop to think if they should. And in 93, it was kind of funny, particularly when the big dinosaur comes and eats somebody off a porta potty It was hilarious. <laughs> but I wonder if we're still asking that question. The people who developed AI are certainly asking that question, and they're not sure whether they should have or not. Uh, certainly not in, a, in an age where uh, the humans have not figured out how to get along. Now, there's some pretty interesting stuff on, in The Economist this last week if you want to take a look. So when we talk about tech, what are we talking about? 
Well, technology is really simply the basic application of scientific knowledge for practical purposes. Things like machinery, equipment, you know, things in the earliest days, fire, the wheel. After wheel comes what really transformed uh, middle America, you know, the locomotive. Now, these, this, this changed the world. You think about it, even today, people live on the right side or the wrong side of the, you know, changed the world. Tech changes the world. And, and, and some have even said that, uh, Brandon actually, Brandon told me this this week. He said, stirrups in and of themselves, some scholars actually say that the stirrup created no longer a community, but a feudal system uh, where the knights could control the serfs from their vantage point. It changed classism in the whole world simply by the use of a stirrup uh, on a horse and control of a few over the many. And of course, if, if you think stirrups are rough, what about the car? Has that changed our world at all? I, I remember when I was 16, many of you all remember when you were 16, is your get out of jail free card. I'm out. I see the world now. Those of you who are parents with 16 year olds, you know, it's like, I used to have a child and now I just have a renter. You know, they're, they're, there they go. Or um, I, my, my grandmother had one of these. Anybody know what that is? That's a phone. For real. You can't get online with it in the same way. Um, but anybody, apparently there was a new phone that came out this weekend. The iPhone 15. It's very sleek, very pretty, very expensive. Now, I'm told that not, even, even if you go back a number of generations, this little handheld device, by the way, um, I would encourage you, challenge you to no longer talk about having a phone. You don't have a phone. You have a supercomputer. And sometimes you use it as a phone. Make no mistake, you're going to carry around something that costs almost $1,000 or more, depending on what you buy. And you're, and you're going to have a supercomputer in your hand or in your pocket. And sometimes you might choose to use it as a phone. But it's not a phone. It carries more potential, more power. Think about this. You have more power in your hand than the Apollo guidance computer that put a man on the moon. All right, so the, the Apollo guidance computer had 32,768 bits of RAM, random access memory, right? The latest phones have, how many more times than that do you guess? Anybody? You are not going to guess this right. 10, how about 7 million? Times. Times. And, and now, this isn't gigabyte, it's just bit, right? So, 7 million times more powerful. And we put that in the hand of a 10-year-old. Is that wise? You'll have to figure that out for your family system. You are putting that kind of power, potential, memory, availability, power in the hands of children. Because we're afraid of something might happening to them. And some of those are legitimate. But I really want you to consider over the next five weeks... What we are doing in our world when we place power with people with no training and, and maybe, maybe not the potential of maturity to actually manage that well. I would argue that certainly as a parent, I, I, I'm, I'm learning. I'm learning as fast as I can. And, and this is why it's so important. Because we can debate this text or that text. We can, do, we can pick any issue you want to. But the bottom line is, I think right now, is we better figure out how we're going to live in this new world with God and each other. Because text's in the middle of it. 
And so the big question of human spiritual formation today is our relationship with technology. How do we use it? What is it there for? Do, do we even speak into each other's lives? That I was sharing with the staff earlier. One of the things I'm most concerned about is the downward spiral of the birth rate in the world. Because people no longer see a need to be with one another. Because you can have your own AI girlfriend. You create her online. She does what you want, when you want, how you want. She looks like you, however you want her to look. You don't have to have another argument in your life. Or relationship. It has devastating effects for our world. And we've, we've got to figure this out, friends. And the church has, is one of the few places left that you might consider trusting for truth and community and connection. And, and for our folks online, I'm glad you're with us. Tech can be great. We've got people that have worshipped with us for years now in Nebraska and Texas and Florida and Iowa. I mean, it can be great good. But make, make, make no mistake, particularly... Uh, for those of us who are, are really learning. And that is what you do with your tech today, this afternoon, has massive implications for your soul in the future. If you've been around here, you know this. You make your choices, and then your choices make you. So what you see, what you choose to look at, what you choose to bring into your soul, into your mind, into your life, into your home, that doesn't just disappear. It carries with you. Because your character is the only thing that lasts, friends. And so it stays with you, whatever, whatever that is. And so the scriptures actually know a lot about that. The wisdom of the Proverbs, which is more than last week, right? It's, it's more than 6,000 years old, maybe 8,000 years old. says this, watch over your heart with all diligence. It's the most important thing about you. For from it flows the springs of life. I mean, when your heart's not right, nothing else is right. And, and by the way, your tech doesn't make you do anything any more than drinking makes you do anything. It simply releases what's in your heart already. Right? So if you want to know what you think, what you believe, you know, just look at your feed. Because it will simply feed back to you what you've already told it you're interested in. And so when we talk about our soul, right, what, what do we mean by this? We mean that our soul is that hidden side of us or that spiritual side of us. Our thoughts, our feelings, our will, what we choose, our intention, our picker, our choices, our character. Who you really are when no one's looking. That's, that's what's most important about you. Because you know this. Anybody know the death rate in Edmond, Oklahoma? 100%. We will all die. And then you know what happens? People go through your stuff. And depending on what you set up in your Facebook account, somebody's looking at your Facebook account. And your Instagram and your Snap and all the rest of it. Because that information doesn't go away. It just sits there for someone to discover it. Who you really are. Your character. And the question for you is, is that terrifying to you? You're like, finally, my grandchild knows I know every single thing about them. Both those things are possible. You see, your soul is the most important thing about you. Say that with me. Your soul is the most important thing about you. Your jobs will come and go. And, and I don't mean to be a downer, but your family will too. Everything comes and goes but your soul. That's the only thing that lasts. And that's why God looks at it. God looks at you. And he delights in you. And he loves your soul. But he's looking at your heart. He's not looking at your resume. He's looking not, not looking at your past. He's not looking at your sin. He's looking at who you really are. Who you intend to be. Who you want to be. 
We, we learned this all the way back in King David. And, and 1 Samuel says, But the Lord says to Samuel, who's looking for a king, Do not look on his appearance, one of David's brothers, or on the height of his stature, because I've rejected him. Or say it with me, The Lord does not see as mortals see. That's just not what God does. They, us, we look on the outward appearance. But what does the Lord do? The Lord looks on the heart. You can't fool God. God knows who you are and he loves you anyway. Uh, Paul uh, continues this thought in Galatians to the early church in Galatia. He says, don't be misled. No one makes a fool of God. Right? God is smart. You cannot trick God. What a person plants, what we put in the soil, what we put in our lives, we will what? Harvest. Comes up. Jesus talks about this. He's like, look, if you plant a lemon seed, you're going to get a lemon tree. Right? Don't, don't expect to put an apple seed in and, and get a grapefruit. It's not how it works. Don't expect to roll online in one way and expect a different kind of fruit in the real world. Does it make sense? We reap what we harvest. We, we, what we sow, we harvest. Pastor Brandon last week said something that he just went right by it and it was gold. I don't know if you caught it. I caught it. I wrote it down. I was like, wow, that is good. He says, it's good for your soul to miss out on some things. It really is. You know, there's some things you can just go right on by. And you'll be glad you did. You'll be really glad you did. So here's, here's the thing that I, I want to lift up, particularly for our young people. Because I do think it's harder to be a child now than ever before. In, in many ways. At least in the modern era. Uh, and we see this with mental health issues, studies, uh, depression, rates of suicide, all this. Uh, this is pretty well known. But here's some modern problems. And, and modern problems need language. And one of the things is it's hard to get on a problem if you can't describe it or talk about it. And so these are things that you already know. The first is decision fatigue. Right? Have you ever figured out that you're way more stupid in the afternoon than the morning? And you're just tired. You know, your, your wife or, or your child asks you something like, well, would you like hot dogs or hamburgers? You're like, just decide. Because you're done. You've made 8 million decisions before noon, it feels like. And so in decision fatigue, this is mental and emotional exhaustion. And it's real, by the way. It results from excessive or relentless decision making. Especially the cumulative effect of small decisions that one makes throughout the, each day. Right? Any, any of y'all actually have email? You have to decide, what am I going to respond to? What am I going to delete? What am I going to hold? What do I have to be thoughtful about? Right, that's a real thing. And, and decision fatigue also leads to sleep debt. And we know that we're not getting enough sleep so much that we now have words for it. This is all in dictionary.com, came out this year. It's the difference between the amount of sleep a person needs and the actual amount of time spent sleeping when the amount needed exceeds the time slept, which um, you can run this experiment with me. Um, ever since I've been a pastor, we have a receiving line. It's one of my favorite times of the week. I get to pray for people, uh, bless people, learn what's going on in their lives. And uh, each Sunday morning, I will ask, particularly the junior high, high school students, because I love to mess with them because they're so fun. And I go, how you doing? And you know what they say to me? I'm tired. Every time. I'm so tired. I'm tired. Yeah. Yeah. You don't get enough sleep? You're tired. Plus, you're growing and all the rest. Um, so here's the thing. I know there's going to be lots of conversations around the table. Um, let me just be up front. I... Tech can be great, saves people lives, it can be wonderful. Um, I've come to believe this over my research over the last six months, and that is no child, no person, no parent, no human being needs a phone in their bedroom or the bathroom, ever. 
There's too much information about things gone wrong in children's lives that have led them to suicide because they had their phone in their bathroom or their bedroom. And, and I'm not going to spend much time here. I'm actually going to move right on because it's so painful. But part of the reason is because of something now known as extortion. Again, we have children with a supercomputer in their hand. Images go out, they can't get back. They can't get them back. And so this leads to criminal behavior in which a perpetrator illicitly obtains sexually compromising materials such as images and then threatens to publish it or harm the victim in other ways until, you know, somebody pays up. This is true for adults too. Um, It's just, you know, it's way more than a child should have to face. So, um, moving on. I hope you'll have that conversation in your home. Uh, Boys and girls both. So last week, we learned that technology promises, right, it's a promise to give us the power to do more with less. Sometimes that happens. Most of the time it does not. In the last few years, with the most tech ever available to us, when it actually comes to life satisfaction in America, even life expectancy in America, it's going down. It's going the wrong direction. We have less. Just think about that. It promises more, but we actually, when we study it, we get less. We have less. So, um, I I found this really interesting last week. Uh, Pastor Brandon shared that when two people are talking, the mere presence, right, of a phone on the table, doesn't even have to be on, between them or in the periphery of their vision, changes both what they talk about and the degree of connection they feel. People just don't talk the same. I don't. I don't want to be recorded. I I don't want my conversation to show up in my Instagram feed as a, you know, as a sponsored ad. 30 seconds later, weirds me out, right? They don't feel as invested in each other. Even a silent phone distracts us. Even a silent phone, even a phone that's turned off, even a phone that's not working changes the conversation. And a recent study shows a correlation between excessive phone use and marital dissatisfaction, right? Many of you all know that on Sunday mornings between 8.30 and noon, I'm a pretty good guy, right? Here in this place. But it's also true that afternoon, when I'm exhausted, if Chantel and I are going somewhere, and I'm driving, which is most of the time, because I love to drive, um, and, she, if, and I'll ask her to do something. I'll say, like, hey, can you check on so-and-so or look up so-and-so? And she'll do that. And then it feels like to me that I'm the only one in the car, because she's, she's doing exactly what I asked her to do, but she's on her phone. I get my feelings hurt. I know. I asked her to do it, but then I'm like, can I have my wife back? Like, I, I'm working hard driving over here, and all you're doing is talking on the phone, or whatever it is. Driving's not that hard. Um, but maybe this happens to you, where you feel like you're setting aside time to be with someone, and all of a sudden you're, you're really not with them. They're with 300 people in their contacts, and, and it's hard. You see, the first act of love is always the giving of attention. Always. You can't love people you don't see, right, if you don't notice them. And so what that means is that we need boundaries around technology to live the joyful, full life that God has for us. That's what Jesus says he came to do. The thief, you could put technology there. Um, It's a tool. But so often, it steals and kills and destroys relationship. Jesus, on the other hand, comes that we might have what? Life, real life, and have it abundantly. Any of you all, to the full, any of you all have ever been with me to Guatemala? Are those kids sad? No. Some of the most joyful people you would ever meet. We had uh, Lydia Patterson Institute here on Friday night. Uh, Children who walk across the border every day to go to school and walk all the way home. Some of the most joyful kids you'll ever see in your life. Not weighed down by tech in the same way. 
Amy Crouch is the daughter of an author who uh, writes about uh, technology and families. Um, she's 16. She said this. She says, you know, when it comes to wonder, wonder comes from opening your eyes wider, not bringing the screen closer. That's good wisdom from a 16-year-old, right? And then um, a few months ago, I came across this video of Tim Cook, the CEO of Apple, right? And, and he just, I mean, this is surprising. He says, if I'm looking at the device more than I'm looking into someone's eyes, I'm doing the wrong thing. And he has a lot to profit about you staying on your phone. And he, he's like, look, it just doesn't work. He knows that. So this week, as we look at this, we want to just say technology can be used for great good. It can. It does. It is. I, I can move around because I have a fake knee. I have technology in my body. I'm a cyborg, right? <laughs> and I love it. I mean, I can walk around pretty much pain-free in ways I couldn't before tech. But many of us have gotten into some pretty bad, bad habits. We, we, we just have. And nobody's there to correct us. So um, I asked some of our students about this. Here they are. On their phone 58 times a day. Does that sound about right? Yeah. That like low for people your age or high or? That's probably low because they have like tons of different stuff to check. Like they would check their texts and snaps, TikTok, all this stuff. Do you even know what that stuff is? <laughs> we have kids in mid-high who are using app after app after. They're, this is like their job. They're checking this and then I got to check that and then I got to check this and then I got to check that. And that's just to be on an even playing field in the social arena in their life. Can you imagine? I'm pretty sure, Chantel's pretty sure, that if uh, cell phones were around, if if smart phones, smart computers were around when I was in junior high and high school, I would not be your preacher. For sure. Right? I mean, there's no way. I would would never want to live in a world where every, any moment, anything I said ever could be recorded or repeated or shown to anybody, however, whenever. Do you all remember being seventh grade boys? I mean, that's the season where we use silly stuff, crazy stuff. And, and so I just want to say, again, this is really not so much about the kids as it is all of us. Adam Hamilton, who uh, preached this series in January uh, earlier this year, uh, differently than we're doing it, but um, he has a granddaughter, Stella, who he loves, and she makes it to every sermon, pretty much. And uh, Stella's amazing. And um, anyway, so for Christmas, she made him a computer um, of clay. And so here he is with this little laptop that she made him. Uh, this is our largest United Methodist Church uh, in the world. It's a little apple you can see. Um, and so uh, if you're at Resurrection, you would go, ah. Oh. And so here's the little, you know, little key tabs that she put on there, little keyboard. And then uh, on the screen, and I love you all, right? One day I'll be a grandfather too, and I'll get cool clay gifts. <laughs> but not today. So here's the thing. You know what? Adam stopped and he goes, you know what though? He goes, that's how she sees me. If she wants to tell me I love you, she's got to do it through a screen. Because every time she comes to her papa's house, he's on a screen. Because he's in a meeting or he's doing a Zoom or he's preaching. Because, I mean, I wonder, do your kids, do they have to fight for your attention? I really believe we have the first generation of children who actually have to fight harder for their parents' attention than anybody else. There's a TED Talk, um, which, by the way, the TED and TED Talk is technology. Um, I don't know that this is a person of faith, but I think she's on to something. She says, no one's coming to turn off your TV. No one. No one's coming to put your phone away. No one's coming to save your marriage. No one. No one's coming to do that for you. 
Right? Mel Robbins says, when you become 18, nobody tells you that it is now going to be your job to parent yourself. The bottom line is no one's coming. No one. She goes on. It's, it's one of the best uh, known TED Talks out there. And she's like, look, if you're waiting for the day where you feel like it, that day's never coming. No one walks into your house and goes, oh, you need to put your phone away, adults. No one does that. You have to do it yourself. Now, as a person of faith, I would say, if you'll invite the Holy Spirit into your life, you, you've got a whole different level of joy potential. You have a whole other level of power that you can invite into your home, into your life. When you have a community of faith that actually helps you, gives you little baskets to remind you, hey, you don't have to live like that. You don't have to lose the relationships around you. You can actually choose to live differently, but you will have to choose it. Right? So when parents are asked to identify their top fears about the safety of their children, what do you think tops the list? It's not cars anymore. It's not stranger danger. It's not even any physical threat. It's the internet, social media. That's what parents are worried about. And when they plot the age of first smartphone use with mental health, which people have done, kids who get smartphones earlier become adults with worse mental health. Across the board. It's not once in a while. It's not sometimes. It's across the board. The earlier a child gets a smartphone, the worse their mental health is over time. Tracked out. Right? Now, there, our students had some really good reasons of why people might need a phone. And there are some. And there are some. There are exceptions. There's exceptions to these kinds of rules, of course. But here's the thing. Children used to compete between each other for a parent's attention. My sister and I, we would you know, try to be silly in front of my dad. He would have a paper. That was a technology. Right? And he would just put it up so he would not have to look at us. Right? <laughs> I remember having a little hand, like, pull it down, like, Dad. He's like, go away, right? And so that's how Deb and I did it. But now they compete with the entire world. Not two, seven billion. Because the whole world's right there. We're like, look at me, look at me, look at me. And again, Dallas Willard says the first act of love is what? Attention. Attention. You actually have to show up to win. So let me ask you the question. Do your children compete for your attention? Um, I've agreed, um, out of respect for the guilty of our church, not to show any of the video clips of parents of children dogging their parents from the videos. <laughs> so all your parents, don't worry about it. We won't do that. Uh, but it's pretty clear that our kids across the board were like, yeah. Like, I'll come home from school and I'll try to talk to my mom. And she's like, uh-huh, 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 uh-huh. And about five minutes later, she'll go, hey, how was your day? Whew. I mean, think about that. So, so here's what we know in our life. Who do you say that you love the most in your life? I want you to think about that. It's not, just think about it. Who is it when you say, well, this is really the person I love most in my life? Or this is the thing that I love most in my life? Then you have to ask yourself the question, well, do I spend more time in front of them or in front of a screen? How do I spend my time? And for some of you, the person you love is across the world. And so that's the same thing. Your screen and them are the same thing. Okay. But for many of us, we say we love this, and we spend our time on that. Which means we're not telling the truth. We're not integrated about what we really believe and what we do. And that causes us stress. Great stress and sickness. So we know around here that who and what we love, you simply have to look at your calendar, right? Your time and your bank account. That's what you love. It's really that simple. We used to say checkbook, but nobody does anymore. Right? So just look, I mean, just look at your bank account. Where, where did the money go? Where did my time go? And that's what you love currently. That's what you love, because that's what you're committed to. 
And so we have to ask the question. This was interesting. I asked the kids, I was like, the, the young adult, the students, I said, do you know anybody addicted to their tech? And they're like, oh yeah. Are you addicted to your tech? Oh no. <laughs> That's how we are. So we have to ask ourselves, you know, am I addicted to my tech? So here's how you do it. Do a tech check. How do I feel when I'm away from my phone? Here's, here, here's a newsflash. Some of you know this. I feel great. I love it. It's so bad, in fact, that I have a hard time getting back on my phone. And now you know. That's why you never text me back. Because I don't have my phone on. Matter of fact, um, it was more than 10 years ago. I figured out that in order for me to survive this job, when it came to Sabbath, I had to leave my phone in the garage. I couldn't even plug it in, in the house. Because I would never rest again. And I'd burn out. I'd have burned out a decade ago had I not learned how to do this. It's really a different kind of life being a pastor with 24-7 access, which no one survives, by the way. Right? You've got to do it differently. So I will, I will own this. It feels considerably different whether you planned it or not. Right? It's one thing to plan and say, I'm going to be off my phone from here to here, and that feels great. It's not so great when you're on a business trip and you need to get on a call and you're like, where's my phone? Right? Those are different. So how do I feel when I'm on a trip and I can't find my charger? Relax. They've got 40 of them at the front desk. Everybody's left their charger at the hotel, right? So it's fine. Or you, I had one of my staff members, they said, you know, it's so great. I just texted my kids and said, uh, I forgot my charger. I'll check in on Monday. They were free. Think about that. So when you're anxious or sad or angry, what do you do? Do you pray? Take a walk, talk to God, get outside, look at the stars? Or do you scroll? I... I think I know the answer to that for most of us. And it's interesting, isn't it? Because nothing really changes under the sun. Tech changes things, but we don't change. Because the thing is, you shall have no other gods before me. The key word is what? Before. It's not that you can't have tech. Of course you can. You need it for all sorts of things. But it's not to be before. Um, Have you ever been accused of something called fubbing? Anybody know that phrase? I learned it this last week. It's simply snubbing a person with your phone. Right? It's a, it's a phone snub. And Tracy Foster, who is uh, the co-founder of Screen Sandy, she says, even if you're checking your phone for good things, you're often losing some things that you don't even realize, like the relationships around you. And so I asked the young people about this as well. This is what they said. When you're with somebody and they look at their phone instead of be with you, it's, it's snubbing someone with your phone. That's, yeah. Has that ever happened to you? Yes. What was that like? Um, well, like if you're like on, like if you go somewhere with a friend or something and you either like don't have a phone or your phone's off or you just want to talk to them and like get to know them or something uh, and they're on their phone, it just doesn't seem like you're into it. Like you're, you're not being. Do it, Alex. Go ahead. Like you're not being listened to and you're not paying attention to what you're saying. Does it hurt your feelings? Yes. Yeah, it hurts my feelings. Yeah. Yeah. That's never happened to you, though, Audrey, right? No, it has. (laughs) It has? Yes. It feels like you're not with the person, and it feels like like you're not present with them. But you just have to, like, get the confidence to just say, hey, get off your phone. Have you ever done that? Have you ever said it to a friend? Yes. I'm right here. Get off your phone. Yes. Yes, I have. Yeah, how'd that go? Um, it went good for the first 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> then it went downhill. Yeah. Were they back on their phone? Yes. Yeah, okay. 
All right, I, that's happened to me too. Mm-hmm. I mean, even our young people are like, look, you just got to tell them, get off your phone. I'm, I would like to have a relationship with you. Can you get off your phone? And could you, can you kind of hear that heartbreak? But it didn't last. Even 10 minutes later, they just, they'd rather be on their phone than with me. And that's just not going to work. When you think about the results of that in our world, that's just not going to work. We've got to figure it out. Why? Because God made us for relationships, right? God said it is not good for us to be alone. I'm going to make a helper, a companion. Now, companion is, is the same word that we get communion, right? Where we break bread together, we share life together, we commune together, companion, communion. Now, can you imagine with someone coming up to receive communion while they're on their phone? It hasn't happened yet. I'm waiting. Right? Because what, what we're going to say up here is the body of Christ. And they're like, hold on a minute. We're trying to offer them God himself to live in us, to change us, to make us new. And that is, in some ways, it's unthinkable, isn't it? You're like, who would do that? We, we know what we know about the body of Christ is it's not just the bread and the juice. It's you. You are the body of Christ. And individually members of it. And so when we're on our phone, when someone else is trying to connect with us, it's not different. It's the same thing because you are the body of Christ. Every person that you're with is the body of Christ. And they're worthy of your attention. Andy Kraut says, nothing matters more to our family than creating a home where all of us can be known, loved, called to grow. And then we'll have to make hard choices, really hard choices, sometimes radical choices to use technology, say it with me, in a very different way from people around us. Will we have to do it differently? Absolutely. We just will. And there's power there. So your action steps this week are these. As a family, put your phones to bed before you get ready for bed. When everybody's getting ready for bed, there go the phones. You have a basket now if you'd like to use it. Uh, we have a little charging station where all of our phones can go. That's very helpful. Uh, Tracy Foster, again from Screen Sanity, says one of the biggest indicators for mental health and wellness is sleep. So even if our kids are on Duolingo to learn Mandarin, not a bad thing, it's still better for them to be sleeping. It just is. I, I can remember in, in our life there were times where, um, well, I'll just, I'll just own it. There was a couple weeks ago uh, I'd been at an event with one of our students and uh, it was 1.30 in the morning. I was doing research for this sermon, actually. And I just, I just kept staying in it and staying in it and staying in it. And I noticed on Instagram that I got tagged. I was thrilled. I got tagged by a young person. I'm cool. Just want to let you know. <laughs> and you know what I thought to myself? I thought to myself, what is that child doing up at 1.30 in the morning? And then I thought to myself, what am I doing up at 1.30 in the morning? <laughs> I'm not doing any better. Right? So in the morning, when you wake up, check in with Jesus before you check your messages. Change your day. Pastor Brandon taught this years ago, Bible before phone. It's really that simple. It really is. Or, I want to invite you into this. I'm not asking you to do anything that, that I'm not doing myself. And that is, this, this can be challenging. We're still working on it. We don't have it down perfectly. Join Chantel and me. We're putting our phones away an hour a day. And that's when we have a meal together. A day a week. That's Fridays for us. So when we don't call you back on a Friday, don't worry about it. We'll call you back on Saturday when we get our phones back out. And a week a year. That's when we go on vacation together. And as you think about that, an hour a day, day a week, week a year. And then use your little boxes if you want to. Uh, we hope they're a blessing to you. Um, don't give them to a friend that's rude. Just you use it. <laughs> My church said I should give this to you. You need it. No, don't do that. All right? So we pray this is a blessing to you. I'm happy to continue to visit with us. We'll be doing this between now and fall break. And I hope to see you next week as we continue. We're going to look more at social media next week. Um, so let's pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. 
Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.